Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Morata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Morata. Spectacular. Bickley and Morata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Morata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Hello, Valley sports fans. Happy Friday. Good morning to everybody. We have made it. We have made it to the brink and the doorstep of another weekend. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I can feel this one. This felt like an 11-day week to me, but I'm not going to get into that. It did. You're, yeah, you're not really alone did. there. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I've comboed two of my favorite Friday themes. It is a sweatpants Friday that yeah. will, will, it will at 10.01 turn into a breakfast burrito Friday. Oh, there you go. Yes. You're powering down fast today. Oh, yeah. Okay, there I, you go. I am geared up, man. All right, we, we've got a lot of football to cover today. We've got a lot of basketball to cover today. We've got a lot of thanking of Michael Jordan to do today. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to start today's show by saying that, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, Vinny, the way you research stuff, but I've seen the most ridiculous bat flip I've ever seen in history happened with a minor league baseball player in Memphis. This. Uh-huh. Have you seen this? Yes, you have. I can tell by your face. <laughs> it was fantastic. He hit a towering, <laughs> towering fly ball to left field that did not even make the warning track. But it was a towering fly ball. Dude put his head down, started celebrating, rounded first, rounded second, and rounded third. Had no idea the ball was caught. Rounded second and actually like did the celebration, right. pointed yeah. to somebody in center yeah. field. Pointed third, and then finally somebody got to halfway to th- yeah the halfway to home, and yeah. somebody was like, "Dude, they caught Dude, the ball! They caught the ball! That's an F 7 Now apparently he he crushed it's, it, but it was a very windy night, and the wind held it up. But you're right, didn't even reach the warning track. It was a very routine and, play. And by the time <laughs> by the time Delvin Perez, who Delvin Perez made it to the dugout, fans all around were just rolling, laughing. Tony Perez, Tony Perez, Rosie Perez, rolling, I gotta give a. a Shout out to our new program director, Sean Thompson, who literally was crying tears <laughs> listening to the John Gambadoro anecdote yesterday. After the show was over, I walked by. He was literally, oh, I oh, he love it. He's, he came in afterwards and said that was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, welcome that to was, our station. Well, These are your people. That was, he had his Gambo moment. Yeah. He had his Gambo moment, so it was He's good. fully ingratiated into He's the culture fully, that is. Yes, he is. Harris it's it's John Gambarista. It's up to us to keep these moments alive, because that was over four years ago that right. that happened. Yes. Right. And, you know, they get lost in history if we do not right. cultivate well, because them. Because we're the only people who consistently make fun of everyone. That's right. Including ourselves. Inclu- no one is true. safe. Yeah. Yeah. No one is safe. That's what we do. That's what we do around here. All right, Ferret, start the show. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. The Cardinals headed into their final week three practice as they get ready for the Los Angeles Rams visit to Glendale on Sunday. Running back James Conner was back on the practice field on a limited basis Thursday as he continues to recover from an ankle injury suffered at last Sunday's win over the Raiders. Wide receiver Rondell Moore, linebacker Ezekiel Turner, tight end Trey McBride not 
on the practice field, however, for various reasons. The Rams have won 10 of the last 11 meetings between the two teams. They've won the last seven at State Farm Stadium. And, of course, the last offering in this rivalry, last year's wild card game, a total one-sided affair, 34-11. to Rams a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Kickoff, 125 Sunday. You can hear it all right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, beginning with pregame coverage bright and early, 8.30 a.m. Yeah. Uh, huge game for the Cardinals huge game. this weekend. Yeah, huge early season game, and I think it's it's huge in the fact that it's it's going to provide some clarity, some answers to what this football team truly is all about. Yes. What are you becoming? For, for real this time? <laughs> for, for real. real this time. Not right. like last week when they toyed well, around for three <laughs> yeah. and a half quarters. Yeah. Uh, Jacoby Brissett threw for two touchdowns. Nick Chubb ran for 113 yards and another scores. The Cleveland Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 29-17 to on Thursday Night Football in Cleveland. If you thought it was going to be 23-17 and you shut it off and, I don't know, maybe had the under in that game, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> or if you were playing against the Cleveland defense yes. in fantasy. That to me, oh, yeah. I'm right. speaking for me right. only. I'm not a sports gambler. That was another reminder on why I don't do that. The meaningless touchdown at the end of the game that ruins everything. Yeah. And it happens all the time. It does. A uh, full weekend of college football for the in-state universities marked by Sean Aguano's debut as ASU's interim head coach, replacing Herm Edwards. Sun Devils host 13th-ranked Utah Saturday night in Tempe. Utah has beaten ASU the last two times they've met, including a 35-21 win in Salt Lake City last year that began the Devils' swoon. You may remember ASU led 21-7 at the half, got outscored 28-0 in the second half, and then went 3-4 and the rest of the season. Kickoff at 7.30 on ESPN, 6.20 a.m. and 98.7 FM HD2. Arizona opens up conference play in Berkeley against Cal. That's a 2.30 kickoff, NAU hosting Idaho and Flagstaff at 1 o'clock. Another college football note, uh, and it could uh, have local ramifications, LSU's football program was placed on probation for one year and was issued a three-year show cause against a former assistant coach who admitted meeting with a prospect and giving him team gear during the COVID-19 recruiting dead period. So not as egregious as what ASU's uh, allegedly done. Yeah. But uh, maybe maybe a guideline there for what could be coming. Uh, ESPN released more of its NBA rank list for 2022, and Suns guard Devin Booker ranked 10th, heading into his eighth NBA season. Let that sink in. Devin Booker's been in the NBA for eight years. Uh, he was ranked 15th on the same list last year. Memphis's John ja Morant was ninth. Kevin Durant of the Nets is eighth. Jason Tatum, seventh. Lakers star LeBron James, sixth. The top five players will be released in order today and will feature in some order Nikola Jokic, Giannis, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, and Luka Doncic. Yeah, and the, one of the big takeaways is that while Devin Booker climbed up the ladder, uh, DeAndre Ayton took a big slide down. To number 51. Yep. Uh, reported trade target of the Suns is going elsewhere. Boyan Bogdanovich traded from Utah to Detroit in exchange for big man Kelly Olenek and guard Saban Lee, who happened to play his high school ball here in the Valley of Corona del Sol. So Suns will have to look elsewhere if they want uh, shooting help. Boston Celtics coach Ime Adoka has been suspended for the entire 2022-23 season for what the team calls violations of team policies. Mm. Several reports say that uh, Udoka had a consensual but improper uh, relationship with a member of the franchise's staff. Wait, you might be you, you might be saying how yeah, can he get suspended for a year huh? for a consensual adult relationship? Uh-huh. That's a fair question because we don't have answers. Oh, yeah. but if you want speculation, just go to social media because there's all kinds of sleuths uh, g- digging into this matter. Yeah, the, and and there will be stuff that does come out on this. There, uh, there's uh, quite clearly more to this story. Yes, um, as Inspector Clouse used to say, more to the story than meets the ear. <laughs> 
Adoka released a statement that said, quote, I want to apologize to our players, fans, the entire Celtics organization, and my family for letting them down. I'm sorry for putting the team in this difficult situation. I accept the team's decision. Out of respect for everyone involved, I will have no further comment. Joe Mazzulla has been named the interim head coach. Uh, have you heard about the D-backs bullpen? Well, if not, uh, let me tell you about oh, how many has. times they've blown leads oh, yeah. in games. Do you have the next seven or eight hours to kill? Uh, okay, well, I'll just tell you about last night. Zach Gallen was amazing. Again, went eight innings, his longest start ever. He allowed just one run on two hits, struck out a career-high 13 batters, and left with a 2-1 lead. But then the motley crew of relievers, led by uh, Reyes Maranta, couldn't hold the lead. The Dodgers loaded the bases against Maranta with one out. Then they go to Joe Mantiply. L.A. tied the game on an RBI single by Max Muncie and won it two batters later on a Mookie Betts single that scored Freddie Freeman. The bullpen. The reason why the D-backs left Los Angeles with only two wins in a five-game series instead of going 4-1 and one against the best team in baseball. There's your season in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, D-backs are home this weekend for the final three games on their schedule. Home, home schedule. Hosting the San Francisco Giants tonight. Tonight's game gets underway at 6.40. Pre-game coverage starts at 6 here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. How, how modern baseball-y is it, though, that a pitcher who's been a very good pitcher for several years now set their career record with eight innings pitched. Yes. It, How about that? Yeah, that's 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 fascinating. And You're right. there's one thing that's consistent, whether he's right or wrong, that's up for for you to decide. But Tori Lovello frustrates well, the living daylights out of Diamondbacks I, fans. I, I really don't know why you couldn't had Zach Gallon finish that game, but again... At it, least start the night. Under 100 night. pitches. Yeah, he's thrown I, more pitches in a I game know. eight times this year. Yeah. He had struck out 13 dudes. The Dodgers had hit two balls hard on him all There's only two long. weeks left in the season. I, that's, yeah, that's if you're that thing. concerned about his pitch count, shut him down. And and more to the point, could you have gained perceptual value from actually winning that five-game playoff series yes. that was existing in Dan Bickley's head? Yes. <laughs> yes. They ruined it for you, Bick. They were eliminated last night due to the manager. So in my head, I am ripping the manager, just like you would if that were a playoff game. Yeah. Can you imagine if that were a playoff game? You'd kill toward, the national media would be hanging him up. Grady Little would be off the hook. Diamondbacks uh, in a playoff game? No <laughs> no home yeah, runs for right. Albert Pujols Sorry, or Aaron Judge on Thursday. Pujols hit a sharp single off the wall in the Cardinals 5-4 win over the Padres. And the Yankees beat Boston 5-4. Judge went hitless with three walks. He did hit a deep fly ball that was caught uh, in center field on the warning track, but no dice. And... Uh, the, the CBS the cameraman that we were all ripping on for his work in the Raiders oh, Cardinals game. He was the game. absolute worst. Yeah. Uh, the the Fox cameraman who framed that pitch like the ball was going to the moon really upset a lot of people last <laughs> night on social media. Pujols enters the weekend with 698 career homers. Judge is at 60 for this season as he pursues the Yankees and American League records. There you go. There is your splash for Friday, September 23rd. Coming up, we both said it. It is a huge game for the Arizona Cardinals in Week 3 against the Rams. We'll get into it next on this Football Friday. Vickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. 
I mean, it's a whole different crew, you know, a whole different team. We've got different DBs, different linebackers, different D-line, you know. So, um, um, you know, different defensive style as well. You know, we we do different things. Uh, you know, we play man, play different type of zones. Um, and it's just a matter of just doing our job, um, whatever the game plan is, just doing the job at a premium and taking it one play at a time because the Rams are really good at, you know, jet motioning all these different type of players and get guys' eyes going everywhere. Next thing you know, you know, it's a gash down the field. So you have to be uh, fundamentally sound playing this team and you have to take it one play at a time because if you're going over the play before, they're already about to get snapped the ball and the next play is happening. So it's a one play at a time mentality and, you know, that, that's the plan. That's the goal that we're going to do. Scooter Baker talking to the media yesterday ahead of the Cardinals-Rams game Sunday in week three and there he was talking about all the differences with this year's team with the Cardinals and there are tons of differences at the end of the day and at the end of the weekend, Vic, there really only needs to be one thing that's different for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And so that's the result <laughs> because they mm-hmm. have had, uh, they, they've been dominated by the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and it goes back, not just last year, 10 of the last 11 games between these two teams. So last year, that, that early season win when the Cardinals went to L.A., and just you know, they they dominated the Rams. That's been the outlier, but that that's what needs to change is 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 the outcome. That's the biggest yeah. thing. The ingredients don't matter. You got to find a way to beat the the LA Rams without a doubt. This is a this is a good day to do that. It's a good day to kind of plant a flag at home and say this is the day we are going to start building back what we once had in terms of uh, home field support. Beating the Rams after last week's game in Vegas might be a great launching pad for mm-hmm. that to happen. Um, I think you look at the Rams' offense, and you also see a ro- an offense that has been strangely vulnerable through two weeks. We, we've talked about the Rams' real lack of a running game and how one-sided they've become and how erratic that has made them. Matthew Stafford's got five picks, and he's been sacked eight times in the first two games. Those are not real sturdy numbers. Yeah, they're missing Andrew Whitworth in a big way. Oh, they are. So so they're a team that's also looking for an identity offensively. Allen Robinson is a tremendous wide receiver. He hasn't done any Anything in Los Angeles yet. Cooper Cup is still doing what he does, but that Rams offense is not exactly rolling right now. So is that an opportunity for the defense? You would hope. You would hope. Uh, because there were bright sides, bright spots to come out of the defense. J.J. Watt um, con- contributing uh, an early sack in that game last week and his return to the lineup and what that does. Zach Full stop. Allen <laughs> had himself a good game. Byron Murphy Jr. had his best game ever as a pro. Um, I think people are trying to say that Marco Wilson looked good at the end of the game. Isaiah Simmons made a play at the end of the game. Maybe they can kind of piece it all together and have more people step up. Uh, along with consistent performances from those who did step up last week. Yeah. Uh, Buda Baker was also asked about, hey, last year, the playoffs, it was embarrassing. Is is there a sense of revenge or payback going into this game? Of course, you might think about that, but, I mean, I'm not honestly thinking about that, but it's like, for me, I'm thinking it's a whole new year, it's a whole new team. Um, this is a divisional opponent, so that's that's what matters the most. This is a divisional opponent. These, these games really matter. Every single game matters, but this is divisional opponent. 
opponent. Uh, we played this team many times. I've been playing this team many times, and um, you know, like I said, we know what they do. They know what we do, and it's just a matter of uh, you know who's better that day. So I'm gonna be excited. Of course, we're just another game at home, playing at the Nest, um, another home game, playing against a divisional opponent, uh, Super Bowl champs last year. So definitely gonna be a, a great challenge for us, and um, gonna bring a lot of excitement. You know, this, this coming Sunday. And one of the things that I'm interested in seeing, and you, you mentioned it, the turnovers, uh, the, the interceptions. I mean, the, the Rams have six turnovers mm-hmm. through two games right now, so they've struggled with that. The Cardinals obviously have the high-profile turnover last week, the, the, the fumble return from Byron Murphy, but they've uh, re, you know only forced two turnovers in two games. Which one of those storylines is going to play out more heavily? Will the Cardinals get on track and actually uh, continue the Rams' struggles, or will the Rams get m- cleaner in, in taking care of the football? I think that's going to be a huge key on Sunday. Yeah, listen, and I think that um, one of my biggest takeaways from last week was the performance of the offensive line in the second half. Now, the interior of that offensive line, Rodney Hudson, Justin Pugh, Will Hernandez, the three guys in the middle of that offensive line, that this is going to have to be their day to corral that beast. Aaron Donald, right? <laughs> this is going to have to be their time to do this. And, and Aaron Donald's had, he had one real quiet game against the Cardinals, and that was the first time on the road last year, as you pointed out. And he's had a lot of noisy games against the Cardinals. Six sacks, eight quarterback hits, seven tackles for loss against Kyler Murray's offense. So when properly motivated and, and not properly blocked, <laughs> he has wrecked the game. And that I think that's exactly what Cliff Kingsbury said could not happen this weekend. Can't let him wreck the game. No. Uh, easier said than done. It's, right. it, it's kind of what, when he gets motivated enough to wreck the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, more on that turnover uh, storyline. Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, talked to the media yesterday, as he does on Thursdays. And he was asked uh, about the importance of turnovers for uh, his defense going up against the Rams. It always is. NFL games are always down to turnovers, especially when you're playing good people like the Rams, right? To limit possessions and to take the ball away, you know, to win third downs and take points off the board. But yes, I mean, you can't give them, you know, more opportunities than they should have, obviously, and giving them short fields won't help us at all. And obviously, us taking the ball away will help our offense with short fields and giving them more chances. So the ball is the game. You know, if you can take it away, that that's always a good thing for your team. Yeah, it starts with, with pressure. The, the pass rush has not been all that productive. Good pass rush makes things easier on a suspect yeah. uh, uh, secondary cornerback uh, group, although they did hold up last week uh, very well. Um, and then, you know, we haven't even mentioned Cooper Cup. That guy is just, he's a nightmare to deal with defensively. Oh, well, he's just almost guaranteed production. And, and the thing is, a lot of people are looking, okay, is this going to be Byron Mur- Murphy Jr., a second chance to shut down a key wide receiver? It's going to be harder, easier said than done with Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup, they move him all over the line of scrimmage. They move him all over the football field. Sean McVay just finds a way to get him open. And well, that let me scratch. That sounds ridiculous. Cooper Cup is incredible at getting himself open, but but Sean McVay deploys him all over the football field. And the key is because a lot of times they pass him the ball for you know six yards, eight yards. 
But then he makes a play happen. The key is that if he catches the ball for six yards, to keep him to six or eight yards. Mm-hmm. Don't let him squirt three and you know, and all of a sudden it's 25, 30 yards. Don't game. get killed by the yak is what you're saying. I Yes, I usually say that. <laughs> Oftentimes on rural farms. Yes. Uh, it's time for Character Counts brought to you by Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Phoenix Suns point guard uh, Chris Paul has been an activist in black voter turnout over the years and his advocacy continued on National Black Voter Day. Last Friday, Paul and uh, Michelle Obama teamed up in a video encouraging people to vote in November's midterm elections. The call to action in the video is for people to visit When We All Vote's website uh, to check their voter registration statuses and encourage friends to do the same. Paul is a co-chair of When We All Vote, an initiative initiative founded by Obama to increase voter participation. Stephen Curry of the Golden State Warriors is a fellow chair. Uh, that is uh, Character Counts brought to you by Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Coming up next was one of the biggest names in the NBA about to speak out against Suns owner Robert Sarver. And did that kind of move things along? We'll get into the possibilities next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. There's only eight like truly incredible NBA franchises to own. And I'm going to give you the list. A couple of them are obvious. The Lakers, the Knicks, the Warriors, the Bulls, the Celtics, the Mavericks. I would throw in the Heat because of the organization they built, the location, the fact that they've always been able to get good players, and the fact that there's just a ton of money in South Beach. That's seven. And then the Suns are the eighth. Now, what's interesting about that? The Suns are the only one that's going to be available out of those eight. That's Bill Simmons on his uh, podcast, the Bill Simmons podcast, talking about the eight truly desirable franchises to own. And um, this is getting a little yeah. bit, of, a little interesting now. The speculation in the days uh, following Robert Sarver's decision to sell the Suns and the Mercury. Um, there's there's numbers all over the place. There's candidates being thrown out. I won't even say from le- what's beyond left field. <laughs> there's some there's some really outlandish candidates out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bill Simmons might be onto something. If the Suns, when you consider where they are competitively, Bick, um, the market, their arena situation with you know, the the renovations being done, their practice facility situation is very desirable. Yeah. Um, a lot it, of people moving here. This is a very yeah, desirable location now um, um, to live and to work in this country. Throw all that stuff in there, and yeah, it's. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how Robert Sarver is processing, processing that. To be honest with you, because you could look at it one way: that oh my goodness, do I have a lottery ticket on my hands? You mean I might sell this thing for upwards of four billion? As some people are speculating, I don't know if it's going to go that high, but some people are speculating that or Bill if, Simmons was one of them or if he's going to get more resentful because he's going to see all of these people lining up to buy something he does not want to sell yeah and so because people would not be lining up to buy this if the projections for growth weren't through the roof in the NBA yeah I've said it before in my vast knowledge of sports business um, buying a sports franchise is a very good investment and I suggest you do it if you yeah. have the means if you, if you can <laughs> if you can get it done do it that's um, a, that's a very good point that wasn't the most interesting thing that Bill Simmons said on his podcast no. he said um, there was somebody very powerful in the NBA that might have been getting ready to speak up on the Sarver situation that probably would have pushed things uh, to, to the end that we got to. Uh, this is from the uh, Bill Simmons pod. Everybody wanted the same end game. They wanted this guy to sell. 
So how do you do that? You have the most visible players in the league come at him. You have sponsors pull out. You have other owners lobbying him like, hey, you, you know, this is, you don't want to go out this way, man. And in the rich guy circles, they had, I think, a labor meeting this week. And, you know, in the rich guy circles, they they can approach that a little differently. And they could be like, hey, you know, you can make a lot of money. Just get out. What do you want to be a punching bag for? And spin it a certain way. What I heard was there was one last piece that a card that uh, the league was going to play where MJ was going to be the last piece to come out and implore Sarver to sell. And that would have been a death blow for him and hugely embarrassing for a bunch of different reasons. Um, that never had to happen, but it was going to happen. And I think once Sarver knew that Jordan was looming, after LeBron, after Chris Paul, after some of the other people, the minority owner, um, then that that was it. All right, your reaction to that pick? My uh, my reaction to that is, yeah, it it more and more you hear about it, it more and more it sounds like Adam Silver playing three D chess to me because you're, if you're right, yeah, because if if clearly if you if you ran into an owner who was not going to sell willingly, because that clearly must have been on the table, then then Adam Silver had to put together a plan to make this happen. And again, from the day the suspension was issued, people were saying Adam Silver's got a year to get this right because Robert Sarver cannot come back. Adam Silver, they weren't even going to get to that point. So the fact that Michael Jordan, I wonder, I'm trying to work in my head what what, uh, Bill Simmons means when he says it would have been embarrassing on a number of different levels. It would, I mean, I get the obvious, the game's greatest player, the most influential voice, the, the most influential brand in basketball history condemning an owner in Phoenix, Arizona. That would be embarrassing. But also a fellow owner. Yeah, maybe that's it because he's also a fellow well, owner too. and he would okay. be the first of the oh, other see. owners. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Yeah, he could use him to, the, to thereby say, okay, we as an ownership group need to vote and vote him out. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I believe that was probably in the works because I do believe that that – Adam Silver, he, he had to have a plan like this in place. Because, again, from the day this went down, Robert Sarver became an NBA problem and not a Phoenix problem. And that, was, that to me, was fascinating to watch. Was that only a week ago? That was a week ago. Can you believe that? Uh, so the way I see this going down and, and, and with you know what you said, 3D chess bouncing around in my head, Adam Silver walks into that press conference at the Board of Governors meeting going, uh-oh, this is not going to go well. I'm going to get raked over the coals, maybe for the first time in my career, but I'm going to get through this, and then I'll let my minions do yeah, the work. Right, And that's what we saw, and, yeah. the, and the reaction uh, and the result, the desired result, I think Bill Simmons is right. I think that was the desired result for everybody not named Robert Sarver involved, was mm-hmm. that to get him to sell the franchise. And we, we're talking about days. I was expecting if we got to this point months Maybe the full year, maybe past the year. It was a matter of days. I wonder why Robert Sarver didn't anticipate that and go for the option that I sketched out yesterday. Mm -hmm. That, okay, I'll sell, you bury that report. I I don't know why, because I was told Because he didn't want to sell. I know. But but he but he also didn't wasn't able to see what was coming beyond that beyond beating Adam Silver in the short term as in this is mine you can't take it if you don't think you are wrong 
yeah. in his mind, which he doesn't seem to, uh, how can it. you I guess that's arrive it. at the point where you're I willing to sell it. your team? Look how, look or, how, or, yeah, or willing to face what we're talking about here. That's, yeah. I guess, that. Look how he originally responded to the allegations. Yeah. You might see, say at that point, Robert, how did you not see that all this stuff was going to come out? How did you not see that the investigation was going to find you guilty? Well, because from the very beginning, he was being defiant, and in his mind, he didn't do anything wrong. And being defiant on information that was very close to what was uncovered in the investigation. Yeah. I mean, we can't right. get past that. No. Uh, the reaction no. was almost 180 it's degrees such different. such a disconnect. If, if you go back and read those initial statements coming from from, from the Suns, and, and specifically from Robert Sarver, there was a defiance. These are lies. How dare these people accuse me of these things? things. Then they go through this months-long investigation with a law firm conducting it, and they're like, you know, that was all true. Baxter Holmes killed that report. Oh, yeah. He nailed it. Yes. Right. But it, but it all for that toxic to get for that culture to get that toxic to the point where it where it elicited those reactions on social media on a form of public record tells you nobody has been able to stand up to him in eighteen years and say this ain't right exactly and that's part of it too this man. It doesn't sound like he's been held accountable too often in his life. So, of course, when the report comes out last fall, yeah, he's going to lash out. He's going to say, you guys are wrong. This is a witch hunt. I'm fine. And he's not going to process, oh, my gosh, I actually might have to sell this team. I might actually be held accountable for once. Right. It, that's what it is. It, and and that is that is something that I think we very early on in this process we we had said this story is not unique to Phoenix, Arizona. It's happening in D.C. with Daniel right. Snyder. Where, wherever you find billionaires yeah, you'll find billionaires acting badly. Har- Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. You know, abusing power. And entertainment and politics and everything. People, there, there have been a lot of people who have reached a level of wealth that have made them feel impenetrable. Invincible. Invincible. Yeah. Well, and I always talk, too, about the ascension to that wealth and power. Yeah. A lot of people never get knocked down a peg on that path to the top. And getting knocked down a peg can be a very valuable, humbling experience. That is true. And a lot of people don't experience that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that ever happened to Robert Sarver or not, but he didn't behave like somebody that ever got knocked down a That's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. So the, the, that to me is something he could have avoided. He could have avoided all of this. But, you know, at the end of it all, he's going to profit very handsomely. Yes. Now, I don't know what he's going to be be dealing with, if there's going to be civil lawsuits or if a lot of the victims in this story feel a sense of enough sense of justice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I've heard some stuff, but we'll, we'll see what plays out. Yeah, but that $4 billion, I mean— Forbes put out and Sportico put out valuations every year on all the franchises. They're around 1.8, 1.9. Yeah, it's a desirable thing and it's a fraternity that's really hard to get into and these opportunities don't arise very often. The Minnesota Timberwolves are selling for about $2 billion. Hmm. Are the Suns that much more valuable that's very than, than the Timberwolves? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's another great... Be, I'll be very curious to see where that number does end up because is this market going to be like our real estate market I'm was three months ago? Same, same right? thing. You know what I'm saying? Where people are listing their house and getting $140,000 more than they expected. Somebody's going to come in with a cash <laughs> offer and blow well, everybody away. But, but then you look at this. Look at this here. You got two baseball teams for sale. The Nationals are for sale. The Angels, a Southern California team, is for sale. Mm-hmm. Chelsea just sold. The Broncos just sold. The Trailblazers and the Seahawks are going to be for sale before too long. 
There's a lot of franchises hitting the market. The Broncos these days. went for what four and a half billion. Yes, four, and they. Six, five, I'm, I I'm sure. I bet you anything. Their Forbes value was not near that. Yeah, I'd have to go. I'd have yeah, to like go you back. You and might check. be right. Yeah, what do you got? I mean, with all these teams five. available, what do you? How much money do you guys got on you? Let's yeah. do this. Let's right. do a GoFundMe. Yeah. Oh no, let's not do that. Did <laughs> no. somebody do that in this so, market yesterday? Did that? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not do that. That wasn't intentional. <laughs> the money's going to charity. <laughs> I wasn't intentional. Do you know, a high school <laughs> student <laughs> with great character. We want to hear about them character. and how they make an impact on our community. <laughs> Just text character to 620-620 and share their story. What's in it for them? A $10,000 scholarship from Parker and Sons and Arizona Sports. Text character to 620-620. Coming up next, the Cleveland Browns 2-1 and one without that quarterback. We'll get into uh, that. More NFL hash marks next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Chubb will be the tailback. Broholt the fullback. They turn. They give it to Chubby. Vault. He spins. He lands. Touchdown! Yeah, it would end up to be a 29-17, a Cleveland Browns win over the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday Night Football. That audio courtesy of ESPN 850 in Cleveland. And don't look now, but the Browns, with all their quarterback stuff, no Deshaun Watson, have to rely on Jacoby Brissett, off to a 2-1 and one start in what should be a very tight division. And, you know, I think the most optimistic uh, viewpoints on the Browns going into the season yeah. was, hey, if they can, you know, tread water for a while and stay competitive mm-hmm. with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback when, when Deshaun Watson comes back in Week 13, they might be a playoff team. And, and they I'm might not, be able to do it. I'm not willing to go that far just yet, but... Um, they look competitive. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, and, and they blew a game last week. They should be three and zero right now. They might be able. To, they might be able to hang on because they played a, a brand of ball control offense that doesn't require a ton of quarterback. They had the ball for darn near thirty seven minutes yesterday. They've got a very good defense. Be very curious to see uh, how they how they handle that in the coming weeks. On the flip side, Pittsburgh now officially has a quarterback controversy, and and I, I I've already been kind of like tapping into some of the things that are being said here. And we've been here, and we know what this sounds like. I am so curious to see how Mike Tomlin, of all people, handles this. He shot it down last night. I know. He's the only one that doesn't believe there's a controversy. Right. So, But, but we know what happens here in markets. Football fans in situations like the one in Pittsburgh become enamored with the young guy. Give the guy a chance. And, and then in, invariably the head coach of the team that is sticking with the starter says... Shut up. I know more than you do. He doesn't that in those words, but he effectively says that to the fan base. Look, I know you're all screaming at me, but I know more than you do. And then the fans respond, yeah, I get you do. But the guy you're putting out there every Sunday still sucks. Yeah, it, and it goes back and forth. And, and by the time the coach eventually makes the move, he does so with resentment. We saw it in Chicago with Justin Fields in Dallas. Yesterday, Jerry Jones talking about, yeah, I'd love Cooper Rush to make this a quarterback controversy. (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll get into that in a second. Because, that, I mean, again, the foolishness coming out of Dallas is, is laughable. But back to the Pittsburgh situation. Let's draw a parallel to here. All right. Um, the Arizona Cardinals once upon a time signed, signed Sam Bradford to a contract. It was a ridiculous Ugh. contract. He Ugh. was very clearly a stopgap guy. They also drafted Josh Rosen that year. Who? Sorry. Josh Rosen, you ever seen this guy? Sharon? Sam Bradford was your starter. They knew he was the stopgap. The only way the stopgap keeps going out there is if he continues to win games. If you're a stopgap who sucks and you lose, there's no benefit at all to stunting the growth of your own quarterback, who is your future. Josh Rosen. Kenny Pickett is their future. He was a top 10 draft pick. Yeah. And he was phenomenal in the preseason. I don't get the stubbornness, and we know the Steelers operate differently than other teams. They're a very patient organization, and it's worked well for them. But Mitchell Trubisky is hard to watch. Now, it was a little bit better last night. At least they attempted to throw the ball down the field, and we did. they did treat us to one of the greatest catches you'll ever see in an NFL game. That catch by George Pickens was phenomenal, and, and the throw by Trubisky was actually really good on that play. But other than that... 17 points, yeah, pedestrian offense, right? and they got weapons. Yeah, listen, and, and they do, and this is, and that division, I mean, uh, again, it's, it, the, the Steelers have a certain standard here. They've, you know, been 500 above every single year in Mike Tomlin's career, and, and Mike Tomlin is the guy that's got a lot of conviction in what he's doing, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they stand for stability more, and not overreacting, just about more than any other franchise in the NFL. So that's why this is going to be so interesting because to me, Mitchell Trubisky is clearly very mediocre. He's capable of looking good and he's capable of being captain check down and he's good enough to get you beat pretty much every time you take the field. And so how patient can you be with a guy like that? And yet there's an art to it. There's an art to putting the replacement out there at the right time. And, and, but I've just, I'm just saying I've seen coaches blow this repeatedly because fans get so emotionally involved in this issue that it's all anybody talks about. So every day of a head coach's life, this that will be the story on talk radio, the quarterback controversy. That will be the everywhere he go. People will be talking about that. Reporters, everything they ask about is going to be related to that, and it gets so untenable. And then, like I said, coaches resist and resist and resist, and they think they're being strong and they think they're being principled, and then they get pissed. And then they finally do it, and they do it out of resentment, and it's it always, not always, but it very frequently turns into a clown show, yeah. and now it's Pittsburgh's clown show. Now, the, the, the Bradford-Rosen example that I gave, the Cardinals deserve credit in that instance because at least they moved on from the stopgap quickly. They saw what they had in their future, and they moved away from that quickly, too. Now, the situation was much more dire. They were a much worse football team than the Steelers are this year. To your Jerry Jones point, yeah, he says uh, you know, with, with Dak Prescott hurt, Cooper Rush coming in as the the uh, pressed into duty starter. He got a win last week. Listen to this from Jerry Jones. So you'd want that? You'd want that controversy? Of course I would. Okay. Of course that means we'd won. If he comes in there and played as well as Prescott played, Rush played that well over these next games ahead. I'd walk New York to get that. <laughs> Do you think he can do that? Uh, well, I don't know that, but uh, uh, I, I would. Uh, you can't find on record where I said I thought Dak Prescott could do it when he had the when he stepped in and had the chance to do that, but he did it. 
He's lost it. He is kind of losing it, Eddie. I Al want, Davis in the older years. I want the quarterback controversy. That I mean, you have a guy in Dak Prescott, whom, by the way, they're pressing back into action. He was on the practice field yesterday. What's already? <sighs> um, and you gave him one hundred and sixty million dollars after you dragged your feet on giving him a contract for right. what seemed like didn't eight want to pay years. Him in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't Cooper Rush get cut in preseason? <laughs> I did. I don't know. At one point, they were down to one quarterback on the roster after the roster cut down. Yeah, it's that is a very strange thing to be saying. (laughs) That's not. I know why he's saying it because it it means they're winning. It means they would continue to win until Dak Prescott comes. But then you shake Cooper Cooper Rush's hand and say, "Thanks for winning a couple games. Right here's your hat. Here's your clipboard. Have fun. Put you in the Colt McCoy Hall of Fame. Yeah, thank you, dude. There you go, Ryan Fitzpatrick Hall of Fame. Thank you, man. (laughs) Appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy. It's really really crazy and and now the the Browns on the on the flip side this is what will be interesting if the Browns can hold on now and then Deshaun Watson comes back that could be a team that could make some noise. And and for all the time in, including you who who thought the Browns must be having second thoughts about acquiring Deshaun Watson this thing could be lining up spectacularly for them. How about that? Well, it, yet. It, it was quarterback truly. controversy. If, oh, I was just saying. Watson's suspension ends, and we're like, no, we're not moving away. Yeah, they're, they're, nine, Kobe <laughs> they're nine and two. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, we're going into week three of year three of Isaiah Simmons' career. Does anybody have an idea of what the Cardinals have in this guy? Do they have an idea of what they have in this guy? It's kind of troubling. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.